I actually, for those of you that know me, know that I subscribe to the Colin Powell war doctrine. Maybe it's the Bush doctrine of a preemptive strike as it relates to my um, colon. And so uh, going to Haiti, I will be living on power bars and emodium. Okay? And, and, and the way to defeat this is what we, the overwhelming show of force. So uh, granola bars and, and uh, emodium. <laughs> I managed to go through uh, Africa without having that problem, so I'm hoping that Haiti, I can do a shutout again. Because, uh, yeah. Everybody I was with in Africa, apparently one of the, uh, you can eat fruit, right, unless it's been cut with a knife that's been rinsed in water. Hmm. Ah. The sounds that were coming from the hotel room next to mine were not good. So, uh, yeah, me and Jeremy, uh, and apparently be 15 others, 17 total are going. So we're excited. We're going to get to look at what we've done with Conduit in, in Haiti. So there we go. So the Ten Commandments. Is a, I wonder if we're blowing somebody's yoga class. Do you wander that? No, no, that happened. That's where it happened. Oh, okay. Where? In our old room. Oh. The yoga. So if you guys show up at uh, 6... We can, we can do yet uh, doggy down. I know that's one of the, the positions, is the doggy down. Downward dog? Or is it, I don't know. Doggy down is a command. I'm very familiar with that, with that command with my kids, doggy down. Daughter's down. Um, so I thought when we were going to do the Ten Commandments that we would like kind of just breeze through it and skip through, right? Because we all know them and we all, you know. But then it occurred to me, we really don't all know them and we really mostly have kind of a vague awareness of them. And like we get that it's because uh, they made movies about it, you know. Um, and uh, Charlton Heston, yeah, the uh, Mel Gibson. Maybe we should watch that. Yeah, Mel Gibson. Or no, not Mel Gibson. Mel no, Brooks. Oh, yeah. History of, is it History of the World? Part one, yeah. We'll give you these 15. Yeah, right there. And then, they, you know, sometimes they make a big deal out of it because they can't put them in the courthouse, right? Because that's not good because that's, you know, state and church thing. And saw Jay Sekulow at the gym this morning, just kind of getting a little strange. Like, it was okay to run into, like, Carrie Underwood back in the day or uh, supermodel Nikki Taylor, both of whom no longer work. I apparently now work at the ghetto gym because everybody's moved over to the new Prairie Home Companion gym Ooh. over on uh, But But then yeah, I run into Jay Sekulow. I'm like, that, 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 I, 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 like, I don't know what to say to him. Like, we're in the gym. He's got his shirt off, comes out of the sauna. Like, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> How's your latest Supreme Court argument going? Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to respond to that. So, um, so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, he's not. So, um, so anyway, that's kind of uh, the law, I guess, is the point of <laughs> Jason Aguilo at the gym. Um, and so it's kind of like, well, maybe we should camp on this for a little bit. Maybe we should figure this out. Maybe we should, you know, if God says thou shalt not, maybe we should figure out, A, if we should not, and B, maybe why not, right? Um, because I would venture to say that if I were to ask most of us in this room, hey, could you recite the Ten Commandments? top to bottom, front to back, could we do it? The answer is probably not, you know, because we're under 
Grace. We don't need the law, right? I love grace. I'm a huge fan. I've, uh, I've, I'm a, I was, the, especially in my younger years, a big fan of the where sin abounds, uh, grace there much more abounds. Um, so I had my, my, got my money's worth, that's for sure. Jesus' money worth, be that as it may. So the question number one would be then, if we're not under the law and we're under grace, then why, do, why does it even matter? Um, why should we even care? Because if we're under grace, which we are, then then why does this? Why you know? Why do we have to know them? It's it's kind of nice to know it as a story, but why not? And I think that the first thing that maybe not everybody knows, being a Bible geek, you kind of take for granted. Sometimes you think people know things that they don't. Um, because you know, again, I was as a kid. I don't know about you when I was a kid, but I would like read the Bible like a lot, like even more so than I do today, which is kind of weird. Like fifth, sixth grade, I would be like just devouring Leviticus and weird stuff, weird stuff. But but here's the thing. And follow me if you're a note taker. I moved you to the whiteboard so you can feel a little more scholastic tonight. If you're a note taker, the question you got to ask yourself is: Okay, so I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. The question is, which law am I talking about? Because believe it or not, you're going to see, when you look at Scripture, God's law and the Mosaic law, okay? The law of Moses. I have terrible penmanship, FYI. So you've got God's law and you've got the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, okay? God's law is Exodus chapter 20, okay? That's where we are tonight, is God's law. When you're looking at the law of Moses, so you got Exodus 20, you got God thundering from Mount Sinai in a big, booming James Earl Jones voice to the ears of like three million people, right? Like, I mean, imagine how freaky that would be. So you've got that law, and then Exodus 21 and 22, and then most of Leviticus, okay? That's Moses' law, okay? That's Moses saying to the people of Israel, how should we then live, okay? So from that, we get everything from circumcision to if you need to go to the bathroom, you should go outside of town and dig a hole and bury it kind of laws, okay? All in Leviticus, okay? You know, how your boil is clean or unclean. All those things are very important to everyday life, right? If you are in Israel. So... The law of Moses applied specifically to Israel. It was ceremonial. It was, it was how they lived, so to speak. It was like our Congress, so to speak, our laws and things like that. This law, Exodus 20, was for all people at all times. So these 10, the ones that God says, in fact, if you're a rabbi, which I'm not, you believe that it was actually given outside of Israel. It was given in Sinai, which is actually in the Sinai Peninsula, which is actually modern-day Egypt. That this was a law given for all people at all times. They believe because it was given outside of Israel that that was meant to be outside of Israel. Okay, So the, the law of God, and look, I'm trying not to be repetitive tonight. I don't want to like bore you to tears. But if we don't get this then we do get kind of confused because we would say things like, especially in Nashville, well, that's just legalism, right? We, everything gets thrown under legalism. Well, I can do whatever I want because I'm under grace and I can, do, I can live how I choose. 
And, and there's a delicate balance to this that I really feel like we need to get to embrace because you'll basically begin to see that this top 10 list, like Ted Turner, I think it was a Newsweek article in the 90s, was quoted as saying, if you're going to have to narrow it down to 10, you really shouldn't put adultery on it because that's just too much fun. Like you know, He was saying, I've got better laws, better rules, mocking it. Right? But God is able to narrow it down to 10 things that really aren't, in fact, it says in 1 John that they're not grievous. Like, don't commit adultery. Like, that's not asking too much of us. Don't kill, right? <sighs> Come on, God, you're killing me here, you know? Because it's like you think about it. You think, oh, I'm not under the law. Like, what one did you have a problem with exactly? Was it the adultery? Was that it? You know, was it the idolatry? I mean, uh, help me understand which one you're not under if you don't want to, you know. So, but, so follow me on this. And, I, and again, if you're a note taker, just digest it. Take it with you. And if you're not, I'll wake you up in a minute. Okay, so... Jesus in John 7, okay, is talking about the law, okay? <coughs> Acts 15, actually, I'm going to go with both of these are actually law of Moses kind of stuff, okay? And I'm only doing this so you can see in the New Testament, you see them talking about two different kinds of laws. And I won't go through all of them because... I won't be able to wake you up from that kind of problem. So, so in John 7, Jesus talks about the law of Moses. Acts 15, they talk about the law of Moses. Anybody got to guess what it was in Acts 15 that they were talking about? Circumcision, right? Which is the law of Moses. It's a ceremonial thing. Now, fascinatingly enough, I think it's just a chapter later, where it's one of those passages in the Bible where it just kind of says it and skips over it. You think, oh, crap, how did I miss that? It says, because it's Paul and Timothy, and it says, and then Paul circumcised Timothy, and then it went on to the story. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. These are grown men. It's like, but, you know, anyway. So, a little no knowledge about the Bible. Come on, don't do that. I don't care how sharp the knife was. So, actually, the law of Moses. But in Romans chapter 7, is what I mentioned over here, is that passage where Paul is talking about the law of God. He's saying, I can't keep it, but I, it's God's will for me. It's what I want. I want to keep this law. It's good. It's perfect. It's all things, all times, for all people. So, it's differentiated there. The other ways that it's differentiated is this. The law of Moses, of God, was actually <coughs> spoken by God. This was written by Moses. It was, it was inspired, right? It was God giving it to him. But this is literally God throwing out the bullhorn and saying, look people, thou shalt not stuff. Okay? The second thing was, this was actually, I think it's Exodus 31. Exodus 31, I think, is where it talks about that actually God wrote this himself, like with his finger, it says. Imagine what that autograph would be worth, right? And we have autograph memorabilia. Imagine, yeah, I got God's autograph. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was written by God, spoken by God. Third thing is it was preserved by God, Okay. What I mean by that is if you were to, if Indiana Jones really did find the Ark of the Covenant, okay, it would actually contain the Ten Commandments, the tablets. There is an absolute delineation of differentiation in Scripture between this law right here and this one right here. This is for all people at all times. It was spoken by God, written by God, preserved by God. 
it, it does apply to us today. So I, I established that for nothing else than for my own uh, nerdiness, but for you as well, because I think that when it talks about to study, to show thyself approved, and we talked about that before, that what that word study means, which is to take it in and to digest it and to understand it. Understand that these Ten Commandments are still valid today. They still count. They still matter. So that said, I'm going to switch tracks on you because the fact is, is this. The law of the Lord, this right here, is perfect. Meaning, if we keep these ten, and we're going to go through them each week, because, I mean, the graven image thing, you know, whether we really think we get a pass on that, and then we get really excited about the new brand of jeans, right? The graven images that we get excited about in this day and age. So we don't get a pass on any of these. These are still applicable today. But the law of the Lord is perfect. If we keep them, we're perfect. And, of course, the problem with that is what? We can't. I was trying to, I was talking to J.D. Online. I'm trying to think how many, like, what was the most commandments, like the record of commandments broken in a day? By me, personally. Um, no, I didn't, because I haven't killed anybody. Now, but this being said now, because if you think you're keeping them, like you think you're doing great, Matthew 5 is Jesus' commentary on the commandments, right? Where he says, it, it's written that you shall not murder, okay? But if he says, he says, but if you've even been angry, wroth with your brother, then I say you're guilty, which basically is saying that God is it's not just the outward act, it's the inward attitude. And I guess if I would ask however, how many people in this room have been angry with your brother, like everybody raised their hand. We're in a room full of murderers by Jesus' commentary, right? So, so the answer, I guess, to how many was my record of the commandments broken in a day by Jesus' commentary, I'm, uh, I scored a perfect 10 back in Bible college, you know, um, especially when I was 20. Holy crap. Looking upon a woman lustfully when you're 20? Are you kidding me? Right? I mean, that's what you did in Bible college. <laughs> you just sat around and lusted because you were, you, you know what I mean? Because you're in Bible college. And girls, I'm sorry, but it's true. And daughters, if you're watching at home, I'm really sorry. But it's true. And stay away from boys, they're pigs. So, thou shalt not are in there. But... 1 John 5 says this, that the law of the Lord, keeping his commandments, is his love for us. And so I say to me, I say to you, and that's where that passage comes from, it's not grievous, it's not onerous for us to do this, although you look at what Jesus said and you think, really? It's not grievous, these commandments. It's more like, it's like our instruction manual, Okay? It's like if I, you know, those dry clean only garments. Now, some of me think it's just a conspiracy by the dry, you know, the garment industry to get you down to the dry cleaning shop. But if you've ever shrunk a sweatshirt before, you understand that that instruction wasn't on there to be grievous. It was on there to spare you some heartache and from being able to give your sweaters to your kids because they now fit them. It's not a big pain in the butt. Like I said, adultery, I mean, that's not exactly a big thing. But what it really is, is our instruction book. And it's God's, and in fact, if you look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, he says this to them. Uh, verse 1, I'm sorry. And God spoke all these words, okay? Don't ever miss that. He spoke these words. 
Three million people were like looking around. I am the Lord, but look at this, and if you're a Bible underliner, underline that word, your God. He's saying that this is a personal deal. I get it. I know who you are. I know who I am. And by putting these 10 things in place, that if we live by these standards, that it's how we operate. It's when we commit adultery that we're broken. We screw it up. We, we, we mess it up and it breaks us. It's just as much about breaking us as it is about breaking the rules. When we lie, you're cheating. You're, these things that, that we've done in our lives, it just causes us to be miserable. You know, if when you're a little kid, you get caught in a lie, then there's the new lie, and you've got to cover the other lie with that lie, and then you can't remember what that lie was because you hoping that that's what you told that person. And all of a sudden, you're caught up, and you realize, this is what he was talking about. This sucks. The idolatry thing. I mean, we're made to worship the Lord. And when we get into these moments where our lives are just miserable and it sucks, I was kind of that way this week. I mean, I was in a bad mood on Saturday. Like my kids, my wife had one of those days where it's like, you know, just stay out of daddy's way. Because I, I don't know what it was. I was just in a foul mood. Like there was a moment where Ethan was putting the butterfly net on my head. Okay. And I said, stop. I said, thou shalt not. <laughs> About five times. I found him like, I took this thing and I threw it across the room. Because I was just in a bad mood. And Ethan had, you know, this wasn't like his first time at the rodeo. This is after he'd knocked over a bunch of stuff and, you know, bitten and, you know, all the things that kids do. But, you know, I don't, I'm not a throw across the room guy. I don't throw stuff. But I was just there and it just hit me, you know, on Sunday morning during worship when I picked up my Bible. Like, hmm, I've not been here much this week. I've not been in the presence of the Lord praying because I've been busy with my job and I had GMA week and I was busy doing all these things I'm busy doing. And I just realized, you know what? I'd put other gods before the Lord this week. And when I did that, I mean, it isn't like God, I mean, God's bummed and all that stuff, but it isn't like his life changed. And you know what I mean? It isn't like, well, I don't know what am I going to do. I've got nothing to do because Darren ain't talking to me. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got like stuff to fix in Iraq. He's got stuff to do. It ain't like he's, you know what I mean? But it's like, for me, it absolutely messed up my day. And of course, what does it do? It messes up everybody else's day when daddy's in a bad mood. So, that law, that deal isn't God being onerous to me, isn't being a jerk. It's like, this is how you're made. I know how you're wired. I know what makes you tick. This is it. You do these things, you're golden. You'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. You'll have joy. That's why I believe it is that when it says, and Jesus even says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And it was there in John where it says that the love of God is at least these 10 commandments. And I think that when I think about this for our group, okay, I'm not necessarily worried about us embracing these laws as too much. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not a, a, a concerned about anybody in this room, quite frankly, of embracing the law like legalistically speaking. Like, to, like what the Pharisees did, which is, by the way, the definition of legalism. Legalism isn't saying, okay, I'm not going to ever do the commandments because that's legalism. Legalism is when I take the commandments and then I build on to them and I make extra stuff. Like when a pastor which they tend to do sometimes in, in some places, will say, well, you know, look, I can't, uh, I can't be home watching football on Sundays and you should be honoring the Sabbath day. So they begin to preach against the evils of doing something on the Sabbath day besides going to church, right? They're adding to the law. It's what the Pharisees did so good. Like saying, hey, these are the 10. Now we're going to add to it. We're going to create extra stuff for us to do because it's this oppressive thing. It keeps people in power. I'm not worried about us doing that at all, okay? 
I just am not. I'm not worried about somebody coming here someday saying, hey, look, there's too many earrings in here. There's too many tattoos. This is, you know, this is what the Bible says we shouldn't do. I'm not worried about that. What I am concerned about for me, what I'm concerned about for you, is us to regress and say, oh, I'm under grace. These are of no use to me whatsoever. These are of no, I don't have to worry about them. So much so that I don't even know them. I can probably give five of them, maybe get to six or seven, but definitely not all ten, and certainly not in order. Because we just don't think about it much. And I think that maybe it would be great for us to commit. I mean, I've committed as a father that I'm going to teach these to my kids. We're going to learn them. They're going to be on the refrigerator. We're going to, these are going to become a part of our lives, not as a, a legalism kind of thing, but as a, hey, look, God says this is, we're made perfect in these things. This is Christ fulfilling it. And, and two reasons, and then I'm going to hang it up. One, Galatians 2 says this, that the law is our schoolmaster. It drives us to Christ, okay? And we've all heard that before. It's when I say, when I realize that I probably broke all 10 in one day at one point in my life, that I say, man, I'm screwed. Like monumentally, spiritually, I'm screwed. Because if this is perfection, if this is what it takes to get to God, I can't do it. We all get that. That's what the word says. It drives us to him. The second thing that I think it does after it drives us to him is that we're not supposed to just get there and say, okay, I can throw it all in grace. But it directs us in him. Matthew 5, it says, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to, what, fulfill the law. And he did it. He did it perfectly. That's why Pilate was able to find no wrong in him. That's why Judas would say, had to say I betrayed a perfect man. He, he's done nothing wrong. Because he was perfect. And so he did fulfill the law on this earth. He fulfilled it when he died. Because he didn't sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. He didn't sin, but he died anyway and by doing so, took our punishment for us. But the thing he did after that was he rose again. And when he rose again, he now lives. And Paul says, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5 or 1 Corinthians 5. He says, the mystery of, is this, that he now lives in us. And I believe that he still fulfills that in us. And he goes on to say in that same passage, this kind of shocking thing to say when you're Paul, that if you sleep with a harlot, okay, Christ living in you, you sleeping with a harlot, you have now joined Christ in that sin. Now, if you're in, you know, first century Corinth and you're a Christian and you get that and Paul's saying, look, you're making Jesus do that stuff. It's a very shocking thing and I think that it should shock me and it should shock you that when I'm doing that stuff, when I'm putting another God before me, I'm joining Christ in that with me. So to say that it's important I think is an understatement. What I hope that we walk away tonight with is an understanding of why it's important. That it drives us to Christ, it directs us in Christ, and not this Mosaic law, okay? If it, I think that we're gonna, we're gonna go through it anyway. You're like, well, Darren, why would we even go through it? There are beautiful illustrations of Christ in there. There's beautiful pictures of how Jesus lived and what he did and what he fulfilled in the sacrifices and in the ceremonies. And it's really mind-blowing stuff. But we're going to go through the 10, the top 10, because God summed it up in those 10. In fact, Jesus would later sum it up in two. He would sum up these 10 in two of them. But Jesus didn't invalidate them. He says, that, look, if you're, if you're doing the, don't, you know, the love of the Lord your God and, and you're doing love your neighbor to yourself, you really would encompass all 10 of these. He's simplified it for us. He didn't do away with it. He didn't abolish it. So the law of God is perfect, and it would direct our lives. And if you're looking for an important reason of why you should fulfill it, because I don't want us to get under bondage. I don't want you guys walking out here going, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do it perfect. I'm going to not do this one ever again. But rather to say, when I live this way, 
when I am not lusting on a woman, when I am not uh, putting another God before me, when I'm not buying into the, the graven images of our society, then I'm fulfilled and I'm happy and I'm joyous. God did create us to live successfully here on this earth. And part of it is, is, is living by these, the top 10 rules. So that's what I've got to say about it. Now, what have you got to say? Jay? Jay and I chat a lot during the day with these things because I bounce a lot of my bad theology off of him and he shoots it down. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's hot in here. I'm like on dark roast right now. Uh, I think a couple of things about that will come out in greater maybe detail as we get further along. There's this one verse, First um, John 5, 3, reads, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in. So it's interesting that Jesus sums up the commandments, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Okay, so we're told the commandments are to love God and love your neighbor. But what is love? Love is keeping the commandments. So Darren and I were kind of talking about this like, cycle of love, that how it's like, how to keep the commandments, you love God. Examples in scripture that kind of correlate with each of these. Jesus talks about maybe separating the first five commandments are ways to love God, and the second five are ways to love your neighbor. So um, those are philosophical commandments the scriptures in scripture. Uh, and the other thing is that there's still the scriptures that go along with these commandments that, okay, so if love is not doing these things, then <coughs> love is probably also doing the opposite. So if showing love is not murdering, showing love is also sharing love. Hmm. Showing love is uh, you know, not committing adultery. Showing love is having patience. And there's these different things. You know, hmm. Greater love has no man than this. And then later on, you realize there's love. The exact opposite of murder. Complete selfless laying down of your life. And that doesn't just mean like dying for somebody. That means literally laying down your life to live for another. So sort of as you go through these, it's not just the do's and don'ts, it's just the sense of community that you need. Like, okay, here's how you're supposed to interact with people. Here's how you're definitely not supposed to interact with people. So not only are you not, you know, thou shalt not covet, but probably that means you know, sort of not only not supposed to covet, but you are supposed to be strong, like in a very clear and general what we're doing. And so there, as you do these foundations, you know, like those are some of the What, uh, by the way, Shelly uh, Strickland from Nebraska says that God's autograph, question mark, he made us right, we're his signature. Um, she gets props from Nebraska. Um, so what, what jumped out at you guys? I mean, this was definitely a, like, it's definitely a passage we've all been to, we've all heard about, we've all been to Sunday school with. But, I mean, as you begin to process it and think about it, you know. What really struck out to me is the fact that he said that the law is for righteousness. And so we had the grace that we didn't have to go for 
as against my role. Yeah. Just putting other gods before him. The Lord's name is him. Um, that's what we're right. We by ourselves we can't we can't follow those ten. And we can boil it down to two and screw those up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but lean on Jesus who's in the tent and it's his grace that covers for us not for us. I think that um, one of the things that we tend to, especially in America right now, you, George Barna's most recent survey said that 66% of American Christians are what he would categorize as casual Christians which are people that would probably write down Christian in the same way they would a party affiliation, political party, but it's casual. And so I think that what that means is there's a lot of folks in our country that think, I'm, I'm a good guy, I'm a good girl, I do, I do good. I'm, you know, I'm part of the Rotary Club, I'm a Shriner, whatever, you know. But it's like if you're, A, if you think you're good, you know, go to the Matthew, you know, <laughs> Jesus' commentary on it. But secondly, um, all 10 of them, it's James chapter 2, I think it's verse 10, maybe verse 15, but it's definitely James 2, where it talks about if you've broke one law, then you're your host. And I think that the picture is really of, okay, if you're in a, you're in a ship in the lifeboat, you drop it into the water because the ship is sinking, and you get in, and there's 10 boards, and the, nine of the 10 are good boards, and not one of them is rotted, the ship still sinks, right? <laughs> if you're being pulled to safety on a helicopter on a chain with 10 links in it, and one of them is rotted and rusted and broken, you're still going to fall. So it puts them all on equal footing, whether it's the Sabbath day or whether it's a graven image, they're all linked together. So it isn't whether one is more important. It's if they're all linked together, even one of them is not good enough. If you just, if you get nine out of 10, you still fail, which is a pretty staggering thought. And it makes you more grateful even for, than ever for what Jesus did. What else? I think this is an important thing to discover because I, I know in a lot of conversations I've had with people, there's even though people have been Christians for a long time, they don't understand that there's a difference. And I think we're not the same people. Sometimes we're so bound to the laws of our own language of freedom or the rules of grace that kind of thing. It kind of becomes very apparent in the last. I think people are going to hear what I'm saying yeah. Go for it. When you say like God is on the great lie, I'm not following that too well. Like how can how can Moses have long recollection of God? Oh no, no, yeah. And okay, that, I'm glad you asked that because I'm I don't want to insinuate that God didn't give Moses those laws. But he gave them for Israel, for their ceremony for their, like our constitution, like our laws that are made by our Congress, um, thus the reason that we aren't doing things like going outside to the bathroom and digging a hole outside of town, or that when our wives are that time of the month that they're not sitting on a towel out in the backyard because they're unclean. I mean, those are all in Leviticus. And when you say we're not under the law, um, that really is, those, those are true. Now again, the beautiful pictures of it, and we're gonna talk about the illustrations of everything from the birds and the sacrifices and things that are there, but that's it, and so that's why, and that's why I was separating them out, like Romans 7, and there's a couple others, so I, I could, I, maybe you need to put them on the blog, 
where it's actually delineated in the New Testament, where the law of God and the law of Moses, there's, they're two separate things that are talked about. So it's kind of... Those were delivered in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're specifically uh, warning the things that they're about. With, with those ten, is the argument that not allowed there's no exception? Uh, Bucky says this, by the way. He says, I think... Make sure I get this right. I think it's important for Christians to understand how the law brings and always has brought freedom for the righteous and death to the unredeemed sinner. I think we misunderstand what Paul is talking about when he mentions the law of sin and death and we somehow assume the law is just dead, but that's a fundamental error. I think it's, especially if you've been around Nashville for any length of time, because I went through this journey, I came to town, okay? And I was, you know, I'd been through the backsliding phase, but I was kind of back, right? But then I get into certain circles and if they're drinking and they're smoking and they're, you know, there's all kinds of things that I would have never done. And, and so to me, the journey was a couple of things. I had to A, unpack what was and was not in fact sin, okay? Because some of the things that were, I was really fundamental about were not necessarily sinful. The other side of that coin was the very heart and the motivation behind why I was participating in it wasn't because, and follow me on this, this is why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible, I mean, God promises the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Bible is crucial because it's God's written word for us. But the Spirit is to guide us in those situations where, for me, I was doing it because I felt like I was cool, because it was elevating me, because I was making it a God in my life to be cool and to go down to Morton's and to hang out with famous people and to light up a fat one and get hammered. You know, I vividly remember uh, the Columbine shooting because I was sitting at the bar down at Ruth's Chris, and they kept pouring. And next thing you know, I'm like literally like, oh gosh, I'm hammered. You know, 1998 was that 12 years ago. I'm watching Columbine unfold, but I was doing it because I was hanging out with a really powerful manager and I wanted to be, so you know what I'm saying? There was a, there was a hard thing for me. So I had to literally let the spirit lead me into what, what the real laws are. And so that I wasn't going legalism on saying that anybody that drank or smoked, because if you go to Europe, this is what they do. So I can't, you know what I mean? So in their heart that, that you don't know, understand the law, the, the fundamental law, which by the way, top 10 doesn't say thou shalt not smoke. doesn't say thou shalt not drink. It doesn't say thou shalt not be a fat guy like me. Okay. But there are things in there where I know that I can't, I shouldn't do that to myself because it harms my body. Absolutely, there are things that I can let the Spirit lead me in it, but I can't put that fundamental law on somebody else. If that, I didn't mean to open up a whole can of worms on that, but um, you just got to check your own heart and your own spirit with it. To this day, I don't, if, I, if I'm in public, I don't consume alcohol. Not because I don't see it to be a thou shalt not. I don't do it because there's a, a scripture where Paul talks about eating meat offered unto idols. It wasn't a thou shalt not, but Paul said if it's going to make somebody stumble, there's no meat that's that good. And I say with alcohol, I'm just not that thirsty, you know? Um, to, to say, and, it, and to put it into action, there was a moment like where I was sitting over at, uh, uh, what's the Italian place right next to Starbucks? Carabas. And I was literally, I just lost, I had to, you know, we lost this company. I just had the conversation with my wife and we've lost a quarter of a million dollars and I'm really sorry. Um, and, and so we went over to Carabas to celebrate and I just thought, you know, I just want to pound a pitcher of sangria and forget it, you know. And I thought that night, you know, I don't know. Because do, I was doing student ministry at the time at another church. And I sit down there, and so I went ahead and ordered my Diet Coke. And in walks uh, five kids from the youth group with, uh, with a set of parents. And I thought, well, there you have it. Because, and you know what? I, I, maybe if those five kids, maybe five of them thought it was wrong, five of them, you know, and maybe mom and dad didn't or whatever, but I didn't have a chance to debate any of them. I wouldn't have had a chance to sit down and explain scripture to scripture or whatever. So just have a Diet Coke. That's me. That's my conviction. That's what the Lord has put on my heart to do. 
Um, but anyway, so I didn't mean to dominate that conversation, but what with you guys thinking about it, you know? <laughs> See, I just, I did it. I opened the can. Yeah. Here's, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. By saying you can't do it, okay, that's legalism. Because I just added to the law. God didn't say thou shalt not, okay? He gave us parameters. Jesus turned water into wine, and I appreciate all the Bible college teachers that said that it was actually grape juice. That's not true, okay? <laughs> you don't save the best grape juice for last. You know, and I, uh, Paul would tell Timothy the little wine is good for the stomach. That's actually scientifically proven, okay? Now, that being said, what would I do if I were you? What would I do if I were me? I go to the Paul thing and I say, my right, okay, to do it because I'm, quote, unquote, stronger spiritually is not worth causing somebody to stumble. And look, I've had some uh, spirited online discussions with people who would say, what's the drawing line? I don't know. That's why I say it's not a law. I can't say that. That's what the Spirit is for in our lives, is to guide you. And if you feel the Spirit guiding you in that way, man, I would encourage you to listen loud and clear. And if you're looking for what my opinion is as a spiritual whatever I am, um, I say just don't. It's just not worth it. Because there's a lot of kids, especially in Nashville, when they come to town, they're looking to the older guys to take their cues, just like I did. And when I sat in Morton's and I saw artists who shall name nameless, um, whom I'm still friends with many of, um, lighting up fat ones and, and pouring and, you know, getting buzzed. And I just joined right in because I wasn't, I wasn't courageous enough and it caused me. And what, here's the thing. It wasn't that it caused me to sin by actually taking the drink. It, what it caused me to sin was by doing it for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motivations, to be accepted and to be cool and to be, well, I've got freedom in Christ. And that was where I stumbled. So, Robin.
difficult change. And I think that for so long, Believerhood generally has attempted to do behavioral modification. This, and, and that's a fancy term for legalism. But really, I think there are tons of biblical principles that we can rely on and draw from and pull from that if we were really honest and let the Holy Spirit really direct us, that our lives would look different. But they would look different. Jeremy's been awfully I quiet think, tonight. Um, I was thinking about just, uh, you know, I just spent two months in Europe, and I had a lot of people get really stretched in my mind all the time. One of which, and another one, just pretty much no swearing. Like, mm. the words, they just aren't swear words. Like, any of the words that we speak in English that we know we have to make a swear to fit, it doesn't mean the same thing there. And so, like, they're staying in the church if they're speaking English. Like, but at first I was just kind of my guard was up. And I was like, oh, this is weird. And I don't understand. And all of a sudden, like, I felt this freedom because I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's not causing anyone's trouble. Like, I didn't change my speech because of it. Because that's how I grew up, you know. That's still going to be something in my mind that I think of that. But it was just really weird seeing places where, like, alcohol places. Most of the places that they would, like, they don't have to understand why you ban it. Like, it doesn't make a difference. You guys live in a society where, um, you know, people, more people die of, like, obesity than, you know, or heart conditions than drinking. Why is this one such a big deal? You know, all these different things. And I started, I realized that, you know, first of all, any time that the church has ever, well, just people in general, even outside of the church, when you ban something or say somebody can't have something, that most people want it more. Yeah. And well, and, and, and a struggle for me, and I know I'm not really talking to our poor parents, but as a father, part of what I struggle with is what I was grown up being told was it's wrong and it's sinful and don't ever do it. And then when I got older and got to processing the scriptures, I got to thinking, huh, that isn't what it says at all. Yeah. And so I just went bonkers. Okay. Now, so my struggle with my children is how do I teach them moderation when knowing at the same time that the principles, because if I just say it's just blatantly wrong, 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 then that, it, 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 A, wants them to do it, they want to do it even more, and B, I think it misleads them to the point where you're like, that isn't really necessarily true. Well, and, and to go with that, I, there's a guy that I used to work with that um, he was, he taught and the way he, he was just such a great guy, and his way of raising the weak guys he said that never at any point did he sit there and say, no, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. He took the approach of teaching and growing them in the ways of the Lord and in the teachings of Christ and not changing that, you know, not not making things, not not changing and saying, well, you can't do this, and where is right. that about? Just he concentrated on the positive things and yeah. gave them that freedom. He said, yeah, you can do that, but are the consequences of that worth? 
worth it. Right. And, and so that's why, in like with you guys' conversation with our couples, speaking as somebody who's married, I know that my wife and I, there are a lot of issues that um, we talk about when we think about um, that we could dwell on our time. And for, for me, it was, um, you know, there, there are just a couple things that, not nothing major, nothing like deal breakers or anything like that, but we love each other so much, they're just not issues. It's not a big thing to talk about. That's why, um, even outside of marriage, um, my dad, I was going to get some tattoos a while back, and my dad, he was immediately, I guess, and he was a pastor, and I was old school, whatever it is, he was really against it, and I knew that that was going to hurt our relationship. So I had a decision to make, yeah, he would get over it. Yeah, our relationship would probably be okay, but knowing that, am I willing, is it enough of an issue that he would get you know, and for me, I really prayed about it, I thought about it, and I decided against it. And that's, that decision's never haunted me. Yeah. If I did have it, do I see things as wrong? No. You know, do I think it probably would have been cool? Yeah. But it just wasn't a deal. You know, and when you make decisions that are based on pure and holy motives, barely ever, in my experience at least, do you regret it. So that, that's just something. And Jay's mom and Bucky both have brought up the point that if it's something that we really, which is where I was, it was like, oh, I, I can do this because it's not wrong. It's my right. But they're saying if you are doing anything, if you basically the way Bucky said, he worded it this way, if we're not willing to give up our rights, maybe we're way too attached to the world. You know, it's something that I'm not willing to give up because it's, it's my right to do it. Now, and, and, you know, philosophically, we could go down the road of, okay, well, do I offend my Amish brothers because I'm wearing a zipper? Uh, you know, you got to let the spirit lead in that world. Because, <laughs> I, you know, because, you know, that's it. I mean, they think that that's, they define that as the world. There's definitely a delineation of it. Um, the Bible does give us specifics on not, not being drunk. Absolutely. You know, you, you've done that. I've done that. That's a sin. It's biblical. Um, then for the rest, it's, it's got to be the Spirit leading us with it. And the beauty of the Spirit is if we'll just shut up and listen, He'll lead us. And, and, um, and anyway, that's my personal. And I know we're talking about the Big Ten, and I guess it's important because this is part of it, because this is where we get kind of caught up in the legalism debate. Well, I'm not under the law because I, you know, I can do this if I want to. And differentiating what the law really, really is that we're under, which is the, you know, the Ten Commandments and, how does that apply? Which, thou shalt love your brother, you know, uh, Jesus said, love your brother as yourself. He, he summed it up in that. Uh, Don't you think, too, that the more, like, we're together as believers, the more we actually allow ourselves to live in community and to build those marriages, know each other, we start to grow to learn each other's strengths and weaknesses, you know? So, mm -hmm. it causes somebody to stumble. You know, if you yeah. know that, you know, I can wear... T-shirt that says something, and I didn't know that that yeah, right. prevent was you know bringing back a horrible memory of something really mm -hmm. in the past. Well, okay, that's not my fault. But the more I know him, the more as a that's a really good a word. Believer, yeah, so can start to know that. that's a good word because it kind of brings in what Jay was talking about the community aspect of it. And and when you think about it, God drug three million people out of Egypt who'd been in slavery for ten or four hundred years. They had no rights. You know, remember back to when um, I've read it before that when um, emancipation happened, that a lot of 
this is the former slaves that were released had no idea how to live because they'd never had choices before. They didn't know. And so you get 400 years of not knowing. And now they have these 10 things. If you're going to be 300, 3 million of you crammed together in the desert, hey, these are some things you really should do. Can I have a question again? Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So what if you're the what if you have two Christians and you're the one that is being caused to stumble by the other guy? Yeah. What do you do then? Hmm. Because you could easily say, no, they got your life, but what if that person is causing you yeah, I mean Matthew 18, Jesus lays out the if you've you know if your brother has sinned against you, what you're to do with it. You know, there's those the prescription of going to them, and but but it's kind of a deeper. Maybe it's not deeper, but it feels deeper than that because, you know, what would my responsibility been to you know, in Ruth's curse? Now the fact is, is I was spiritually in a point where I didn't know that I was really stumbling. That's not true. I knew it in my heart, but in my head I didn't. In my head I was justifying it, but in my heart I was you know breaking something off inside that was valuable to me. And uh, I Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's a great question, and I think that obviously forgiveness comes into play, and I think that in some ways it's, uh, if you're stumbling and you're actually recognizing it in the middle of it, then maybe you're experiencing growth at the same time, you know, like, okay, wow, this is, this was my block, I'm going to avoid this, and, you know, I look at it that, for me personally, that now, of course, 12 years of hindsight, you know, or more, that I can actually use it to suggest to others, to my artists who are now the seniors and the, 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 the colleagues of mine that are now seniors in the, in the business side of it too. Hey, let's not act this way. Let's not cause our other younger <coughs> brothers and sisters to stumble. But um, It's 840. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. Every week it's going to be fascinating um, because, you know, there are some things that, like I said, you know, the graven image thing, I didn't think was that important because I'm like, I don't, I've never made a graven image. You know, um, but as I began to unpack what that looked like, like I remember when I was four, kind of still am actually because I have four kids. It's amazing how poor you can be with four kids. Um, they're they're my toilet of money. Just um, like how excited was I to get to the discount store to buy in my day Z Cavaricci and Pepe jeans and guess because. <laughs> Dude, Z Cavaricci, dude. Seriously, Google it when you get home. But those were like, <laughs> those were to then what like the buckle was today. Now look, for the record, I want you kids to all think you're too cool for me. Know that the buckle started in Nebraska, and it was called the Brass Buckle, an hour from my home. Okay, So I know that all Christian music bands do photo shoots from the buckle now, and we all can kind of make fun of it. But I was buckled before buckle was cool. All I'm saying. So, but how excited do you get when you get like a name brand clothing? Not necessarily because it's a better quality. It's kind of cool to have that brand hanging on your, you know. Like, how humiliated was I when I got pro wing tennis shoes, which came from Payless, right? Because we couldn't afford Adidas, you know. But th- th- there's an image. That's a, it's a brand. It's a thing. You know, we call it a we call it a brand. I guess is what I'm saying. They called it a graven image. It's something we desire. Anyway, 
there's, it's really relevant. Thou shalt not take, you know, my name in vain. His name isn't God. It's Yahweh. But how is it that it works? I mean, is it just swearing? Yeah. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's using his name in a way that it isn't. We'll, we'll get to that. So just trust me. This is going to be relevant. And it's so relevant that we're not going to have conduit next week. So, um, <laughs> so just spread the word. I'll be uh, in Haiti. Actually, we won't be. We'll be uh, Miami or somewhere on the way back. Uh, yeah, stuck in Miami. Sleepless in Miami. So we'll do that uh, Tuesday, sometime Tuesday. I don't know, man. I'm pretty good at getting on a flight that's canceled. I'm not always successful. Did you say that about 80% of the troops that have gone to Haiti have not come back in person? <laughs> here's the secret. No, I'm not going to tell you the secret. That has nothing to do with the hurricanes. If, if, is, here's the secret. So I'm going to tell you for an hour and a half. So you're getting your luggage off the plane when they tell you they left. Right. Yeah, that is actually one of the funnier things. Here's the, uh, here's the secret. A couple secrets. A, if you're willing to depart from your group to separate from the pack and not feel bad about that when you're flying in a group. And B, you have to be willing to separate from your belongings and just trust that the airline will eventually get it to your home airport. If so, it's easier to get home on time. Because well, you guys are all... Yeah, yeah. We weren't willing to separate from the group. Two people could have made it. Yeah, somebody could have separated. Because I'm telling you, when you're on the, the minute you know the plane is delayed, even when you're, if you're sitting on the plane and you know it, man, 1-800, call American Airlines. Because they can work it over the phone before that line starts. I've been, I've been desperate to get home many times in my life. So. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Um, I don't have a bucket again. Oh, I do. Just bucket. If you did bring uh, an offering tonight, you can put it here in the bucket. Um, obviously, you can give online. Uh, God has been really good. We've been really blessed to what we're uh, doing, these kids. So. Uh, and if anybody can get my band to Af uh, Alaska, then please help me. <laughs> please help me get to Alaska. Are they on the way? No, no, it's just against my mic. It's actually not nearly as urgent as you'd think. Okay.
Oh, it's Jenny. <laughs> How was your night?
Damn, Dina. 